Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Wednesday evening Bible studies here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson. Okay, so the other description for Satan, obviously, 2 Corinthians, Paul mentions that he's called the angel of light. So it's going to emphasize this his his deceptive nature and his character, but it, it, it establishes this idea that in order to deceive people, he has to perpetrate a counterfeit program with people. Okay, so the counterfeit program right now is in full swing right in front of your very eyes. The counterfeit program is the mystery of lawlessness. There, I believe, are, I think, 10 mysteries in the New Testament. Don't quote me on that. I think I'm, I'm wavering between 8 and 10 for some reason. But anyway, two of which are mysteries that are now revealed in the New Testament. The other, other mysteries are about the program of God, the church, the rapture, all, all these other things. Mystery just simply means that it wasn't spoken of in the Old Testament, but it's now revealed in the New Testament. So two mysteries, satanic mysteries, were revealed in the uh, the New Testament. The first one is that there is a uh, system of lawlessness that is working to achieve the ushering in of the Antichrist, and the other one is how the system of lawlessness will eventually have the whore and support the whore through the tribulation um, through that period of time. So Babylon was always known, but Babylon uh, is mystery Babylon that she will be supported by the kingdoms of the world. That's the second satanic mystery. So this counterfeit program is lawlessness. The simple definition of lawlessness does not mean anarchy. It always means a system devised by Satan that is in opposition to God's program. And you can easily understand the opposition in terms of even morality. So when God says, this is good, Satan will say, no, this is good. He does the opposite of things. God says there's two genders. They say there's 52, right? And so we're seeing this right now with the trans, the trans movement now. And I'll show you this later on in our uh, prophecy update, um, that you got a guy that went in front of the school board who's pushing transgenderism. And I'll show you the video. Uh, and saying, look, because you have allowed transgenderism, a boy wearing a skirt walked into the girls' locker room and raped my daughter in your school. This is Loudoun County. And, and then Loudoun County tried to bury it, and he said, it's because of your transgender thing that you're putting girls in harm's way. My girl got raped in your school. And then they hauled him away uh, uh, through the police. I'll show you the video. Um, I don't know why they did that. He was just voicing his opinion, and some radical leftist got in his face or whatever. But nonetheless, when you see the, the, the movement of these school boards pushing transgenderism on our kids and then girls get hurt by it, that's lawlessness. That's what we're talking about. That's the, the counterfeit program that is in opposition to God. And... And, and it could be on even a geopolitical level. The counterfeit program promotes globalism. God promotes nationalism. That's why they hate patriotism, right? 
because the satanic program says, no, we're all global citizens. You all need to come together and unite as one. So it's the counterfeit program. Okay. To go further in understanding angel of light, in one sense, Satan will have to deceive you by coming as something good to you. Okay. That's the idea. So something that's beneficial to you, something that will help you. Um, because God has put enmity between mankind and the satanic realm in Genesis chapter 3, that enmity is overcome by Satan through deception, by pretending to be something good, an angel of light, and, but actually being bad. So like we talked about in temptation, most of the temptation that, that gets human beings is they think it's for their good. They think they're doing something good. So like these crazy people and these politicians today think they're actually doing something good. These school boards think they're doing something good. These employers or whatever, like Southwest Airlines, th thinking they're going to vaccinate all their pilots, think that's good. They think that's good because they have been warped in their head by the angel of light. They do the opposite of what they actually should be doing. Or purging our military of good guys, purging the Navy SEALs of good guys because they won't be vaccinated. And, and having nurses lose their jobs and teachers lose their jobs, they think that's a good thing because the unvaccinated are a threat. Again, all of that right there plays into the counterfeit program. And most of humanity is pushing the counterfeit, counterfeit program. Okay, and so they, they couch everything in this counterfeit program with we're doing good. So these are for transgender rights. These are for LGBT rights. These are for the health of people. It will always be couched in something good. But if you go past it and look into the, the background of it, it will do things for bad. Okay. So for instance, the counterfeit program doesn't want borders. It wants a global system. And so they're going to couch not having borders in the idea that we just need to be open-armed to anybody coming into our country, country illegally. We should just allow that. We're on pace for having 2 million illegal people come through our border. Okay, So they think, and they'll couch it in, well, this is humanitarian. Jesus would do something like this, wouldn't he? Jesus would want unvetted immigration. But that's actually the counterfeit program because no, the opposite is true. God wants borders, language, and culture. He does not want nations to lose sovereignty. That's when things become a problem. And so, but yet the whole thing will be, they're never going to tell you why they don't want borders. I mean, part of it, yes, is political. They want votes. But the part, the other part of it that even they don't even understand is satanic. When you push a country, without borders, to have no borders, then you lose nationality as far as nation's sovereign uh, uh, existence. When God split up Babylon, how did he do it? Language, culture, borders. And he started with language. I'll change the language to divide them so they can have individual nation states like I want them to. And so you get that from Genesis, but now then to re, reprogram that to be globalists is going back to Babylon, which is the satanic world system. Okay, 
So that's the counterfeit program. And I'm sure you guys all see this, you know it, but out there in the world, they don't see the program. They're blind to the satanic program. And unfortunately, churches that are not up on this stuff follow suit into the satanic program, and they go along with it. And that's why everyone's so frustrated with these churches, because they're practicing wokeism, they're practicing globalism, you need to be a global citizen, and losing really what Christianity is about, but accepting a false narrative from the Babylonian system. Okay, let's move to the counterfeit program as far as it affects you then. So we have all these things bombarding you on every issue. But then the other aspect of angel of light, you have to understand the, the metaphor that, that the scriptures are trying to use with darkness and light. Okay? This is important. So when you look at how earth was created, it was created out of the darkness, out of the watery mess of judgment. Okay? We talked about the original earth being destroyed because of what Satan did. So the, the earth that we're currently on came out of darkness and came out of the watery chaos and it formed. Okay. But God left a message to us in the form of darkness on our planet. Do you know what that is? We live in a 24-hour day. He left the night. Now, the funny thing about that is people don't pick up on that. Night is a form of judgment. Okay, That's why in the New Jerusalem, it says there's no night there. You remember, there's like several passages in Revelation 21 and 22, and there's no night there. For the Lamb and, and the, the Lord are its light. Right? It lights, there's no night there. But why is there night here? There's night here to remind us of judgment. Judgment prior, judgment because of the fall that happened, but judgment to come. And so it's a reminder, every time you see night, it's a reminder of judgment. That's why we're taught, we, when we talk about the new day, I, when I do a funeral or something, I'll talk about the new day that's going to dawn with the sun of righteousness, and that new day will dawn. We're, we're in what's called the night. We're in the night of our existence. And, and so when we get to the new Jerusalem, when we get to the messianic age, that's called the day, the new day. But we're, we're always, so when you go out at night and you see night, it's a reminder of judgment. When you see oceans, it's a reminder of judgment. So God left that there to remind us. So anyway, so then what happens is, is that, that light and darkness is taken as a metaphor in Scripture and is used metaphorically to represent light represents revelation from God and darkness represents no revelation from God or bad revelation. Okay, And so you'll have Satan's kingdom called the kingdom of what? Darkness. And we have been saved out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of his son. And so you have this metaphor theme going on. Okay. So Jesus said this. He goes, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Now, what? Do you, how do you parse that out? What is he talking about? 
Light has come into the world. What does that mean? Revelation has come in. He's the revelation, right? He's the logos. He's the word of God. Revelation has come into the world. But what did he say? But men love darkness. Translate that. Men love bad information. They, they don't like the truth. They like falsehood. Okay? But men love darkness rather than truth because what? Their deeds were evil. Because of their deeds, they don't like the truth. They don't like the light. They don't want to come into the light for fear that those deeds will be exposed. So what they do is they stay in the darkness to cover up their deeds. They don't want to be drag, dragged out into the light where the truth is. So they remain in darkness. So that's what, what Jesus was saying about people in humanity is the most of the people won't, will not come to him because they don't want their deeds exposed. They don't want revelation. They don't want to come into it because then they have to admit where they're at. And so when he comes as an angel of light, now, now interpret that properly. An angel, a good angel, who's giving revelation, pretending that the revelation is good. That's what angel of light means. Not that he appears in light. Now, he can do that, and he does that, and many of the demons and fallen angels can do that. But what we're trying to, what Paul's trying to express here is this, is that when he's going to come to you, he's going to come in a, in, 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 in a form that gives you revelation that seems good, but is coming from darkness. It is dark information. That's where we kind of get the idea of the occult. It's dark information. It's information God doesn't want you to have. It's information coming from Satan and demons. Uh, the, the occult, the word occult means that it's something that's hidden from you, and then demons or fallen angels reveal information to you that you shouldn't have. And so when he comes to people as an angel of light, he's going to pretend that he's given them good information, but it's actually occultic information. So give me an example, Brandon, of that. Well, Genesis 6 is a great example. And the background of Genesis 6, when they were creating hybrids, is that um, the background was that these, these fallen angels were, were uh, taking these, the, 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 the father's daughters in exchange for information, occultic information. And so the, the bargaining chip was the daughter. Because it doesn't say in Genesis 6 that he raped them. They didn't rape them. They were actually given in marriage. And the, the book of Enoch, which is a non-biblical source, but it gives the background of what the Jews understood about this situation, is that the, the fathers were doing a deal with these creatures for information. Well, what kind of information? Well, metallurgy. They were given information about magic. They were, they were given information about warfare, how to do warfare, create weapons. Before then, they didn't know how to create weapons. It was the fallen angels that actually taught them how to create weapons. And, and then all kinds of other occultic practices, how to get in touch with the spiritual world, how to create portals, how to create, um, places where, you know, you could get the, the demons or fallen angels at that time, um, to do things for you. So all the stuff you know now in the occult 
was given to man at that point in time. That's why the superlative sin that happened in Noah's day went beyond human. And not only because of the hybrid situation, but because of the occult information, things went haywire, way beyond normal. Like they're going on now, right? Things are going beyond normal. Humans, where it's like, doesn't even make sense. There's no common sense here. Yeah, because it's so satanic, you're on a demonic level. And when you when you see that level, that should indicate to you that somebody's given away occultic information. And it's it, it's happening. And you, the way I know it is you watch the people's behavior. You watch the people's thinking. You watch the people's sin. So now everything's on the table for sin. And, and, and the funny thing is, if you practice these certain sins, you are now clean. So if you're a practicing homosexual or you're a practicing transgender, you're actually immune from sin. Right? Not in God's sense, but in the satanic system, right? You're immune from sin. You're, 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 you're perfect. In that sense, right? And see, that's Babylonian. That when you do the things that Babylon pushes, you you're actually made clean in their system. You're made clean in the system by practicing the system. So that's why when these these people get over on the school boards and say, "How dare! How dare you allow this transgender junk going on in our schools? You're putting all of our girls at risk." They don't see it as that. They buy into it. And then the person calling them out is now, you're the problem, and we need to arrest you because you're now a domestic terrorist. You see how it flip-flops? So the, the sinner is the one who goes against the system. And the sinner, or sorry, the person that's doing the sin in the system is actually purified, untouchable. It's weird, right? That's weird. But it's like the opposite. It's the opposite of what God's system is. That's why it's it's a lawlessness. That's why it's counterfeit. The good are now bad, and the bad are now good. Is that idea? And they're cleansing. And the only way you can be cleansed in that system is to go along with it. If you don't go along with it, then you're the pariah. You're the problem, and we must do something about you because you're the monster, and we cannot have a world with people opposing the system. That's where it's going. So then let's, let's de delve a little bit deeper into the light aspect, information. So once somebody opens themselves up to the occult, um, they sometimes they don't even know it. You can open yourself up to the occult by a protracted season of sin, um, you can open yourself up with objects in your house. You could open yourself up with um, people that you're around that are involved in the occult. You can open yourself up by playing with uh, occultic paraphernalia, you know, Ouija boards, things of that nature, or uh, unhealed areas in your life from trauma, uh, pain, anything that you suffered and then you didn't process well, and there's these un... un unhealed parts of you, he actually can get a foothold in those areas. And he will use that foothold to control you or influence you with information. So he can speak, they will speak wrong things about how you're viewing reality, 
and actually warp, warp the way you think. So, someone that goes through a tragedy, uh, someone that's raped or molested or something like that, he'll, he'll use that, if it's not processed correctly, he'll use that to warp them. So, for instance, what he'll say is, it slips in their mind, hey, you, you know, you were raped, right? And so, or you were molested. So that means, hey, you can't trust anybody. You can't trust males. All males are bad. You can't trust males. Look what they did to you. And so before you know it, the person is set up. And, and, and then they want, like, um, affection. And they can't go to males like naturally they would because they have a distortion about males that all males are evil or all males are pigs. And so they then, because of that distorted reality, start gravitating more towards women. And that sets up lesbianism. Because they, they feel safe around women, but yet they want that affection that a man would give them. But it gets perverted, and then they go to another woman for the perversion. Does that make sense? So that's why a lot of the women that have been raped or molested, typically that have turned lesbian, if you look into their past, they have that background. Not all. There's exceptions to the rules, but not all. Some, pe- some women are trying to please their dad because their dad wanted a boy, and so they become a tomboy, and it just filters out into the rest of life. But it, it, again, it's a lot of that has to do with a, a situation that happened to them that, that they didn't get help, there's no one there to counsel them, and so they did whatever they could to, to survive and say, I will stay away from all men. I'll stay away from all men because all men are bad. You can see the problem with that, right? You can see that's distortion in thinking. Not all men are pigs. Some are, but some aren't, right? Some are good, some are bad. And the same thing goes for a, man, a man's view of women or a man's view of, of, of the, the opposite sex or whatever. They just have a distortion in their head about the opposite sex. And it messes them up. They're scared. They got embarrassed, whatever it is, with the opposite sex. So they avoid the opposite sex. But it comes down to a distortion. So modern-day psychologists don't want to deal with that, don't want to deal with a spiritual implication, so they're going to tell people they're born that way, even though there's no such thing as a gay gene. They're going to say people were born that way. They're not born that way. It comes early in life through a trauma that changes their perception of reality. That's where you, but modern day psychologists are not going to go there. You can't even counsel someone out of that now, especially in the state of California. You can't find a counselor who's licensed that will actually help you get out of that. So you can see how Satan starts getting a foothold. Or for instance, I had a relative that um, was constantly being uh, attacked um, with apparitions, full manifestations, obviously demonic fallen angels, having encounters, having uh, being thrown around the room, being pinned to the wall. The dog would see the, the entities. Um, they, one time she, she was asking for help from her spouse, and he comes running over there, and they just took him and threw him across the room into the wall. Major, major manifestations. And... Um, 
and 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 she was telling me this, and I said, she goes, do you think I'm crazy? I said, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. She goes, well, you're the first one that's ever thought that I'm not crazy. She goes, you believe me? I said, totally believe you. I said, but what you think is happening is really not what happened. These are not dead, departed people. These are demonic. These are fallen angels that you're seeing in your house, and these are who you're interacting with. They are? I said, yeah. And so I said, um, tell me this. Was there ever a point in time where you opened yourself up to the occult? She goes, well, this has been happening all my life. You know, even when I was a kid, they were doing it, this to me, and I wouldn't sleep in my own bedroom. And I said, okay, well, I go, think back, think back. Did you ever open a door for them? She kept thinking, kept thinking, couldn't come up with anything. She said, were your parents involved in anything? In the occult? No, no. Jew doing it? Well, I can't remember anything. And then it, it clicked. It hit her. So she says, you know what? When I was five, I had an aunt that we went and visited, and she was doing tarot cards with us as little kids. And she says, it was at that point that it started. I said, you see how it got in you? You see how they're with you now? It's because there was an opening there. So even parents who are messing with the occult can open their own children up to the occult. And, they, and, and the demons and, 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 and fallen angels have full license, once that's done, full license to terrorize the individual. To We call it, the scriptures call it demonization. Um, and they can demonize the person, manifest, do everything they can to mess up the person. But the idea is, okay, what, what, what was the tarot cards doing? When someone does tarot cards, what is it meant for? It's meant to get information, isn't it? Right? When someone goes to a psychic or a medium, what are they going for? To get information. When someone's playing with a Ouija board and they're asking the Ouija board questions, what are they getting? Information. You see what, see, a lot of it's based on information, get, gaining information. Whether it's about the future, what about other people, whatever it might be, it's always about gaining information. And these entities will give you information. They will. But that's the lure. And so the lure is you get information from them, but you're going to do a deal with them. That's what people don't realize is that once they decide to take that language, or sorry, that information, then that's the deal. You take information from us, then we exact something from you. And whether that's controlling, whether that's influencing, whether that's oppression, whatever it might be, that's the deal they cut. And then what starts happening is demonization, obviously. But let's talk about on a believer level. Can that happen to believers? Yeah, absolutely it can happen. That's usually who I'm dealing with. What do you mean? Well, I, you obviously know that the, it can happen to the world, but it can happen to believers as well. Most of the t people I'm dealing with are believers. And somehow they've opened themselves up to the occult. You can do it several ways. You can get into the spiritual world through drugs. Uh, that's probably the quickest way to get to the spiritual realm. And once you're there, it's, it's lights out, man. They have the, they're going to have your way, their way with you. When you 
if, if a believer decides to venture into that spiritual world, which you are forbidden to do, and you go into it, good luck. Because you're unprotected, you won't have a say in anything, and because you gave permission to them to, to allow them, them to, to have access to you. And that's how you do it. So when you talk to someone that might be demonized, you have to find the entry point. What, where did it happen? What happened? Where did it come from? And you'll find an entry point eventually. Well, the entry point then has to be repented of and renounced. The person, if it's not saved, has to be saved. But if, they are, if they're a believer, they have to stop it. They have to renounce that area and, and forsake it. Now, even if they do that, will the demons and fallen angels leave them immediately? No. They won't. It's not like they're in the movies. Because what will happen is the demons and the fallen angels want them. They want them back. And they understand what game's being played, so they keep coming back. They keep coming back, and they will harass the person until they allow them back in. And if the person allows them back in, then they're back, in, and they'll go hiding. They'll hide in the individual, and you won't ever know it. They're in the individual. And so... Um, the person has to keep renouncing, keep avoiding, keep out of that area. They have to stop. And it, it takes a long, long time eventually until where it finally the entities depart. Now, some cases, yeah, they, they depart immediately. But most of the cases, it's lingering effects because the, the person has opened themselves up and they won't stop doing what they're doing to invite them. That's why you have to find the, 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 the foothold. That's why you have to find the beachhead. So your job, if you encounter that, is to find the beachhead in the person. Where is it at? Could be in pain. Could be in the occult. It could be uh, unconfessed sin. It could be um, a relative they're messing with. Look, man, if you've got relatives that are messing with the occult, you need to stay away from them. Okay? You stay away. Because what will happen is a transference will happen with you. The longer you're around them and you know there's something not right, the longer you're around them, you'll get the transference. They'll come start messing with you. Because why? You're around somebody. So I've had situations where people, they started being demonized. Stuff started happening to them. And uh, and you know, I go through the list. Okay, you got an object in your house? No. Been around someone. Oh, wait. Yeah, we, we start allowing these new friends of ours to come in our house, have dinner. But we, we found something, something was right. And they said some weird stuff. And, and they were talking about seeing ghosts in their house and stuff like that. I said, that's it. Don't fellowship with that person. Get away from them because that person is not seeing their dead loved ones. That's a demonic or a fallen angel impersonating a dead loved one. They have full-fledged manifestations of demons. So you're at least on the third level or fourth level of demonization. Get away from them. Get away from relatives messing with the occult. When I grew up in Delano, we had a lot of people, you know, practicing uh, Roman Catholicism with this weird animism that came from Central and South and, and, and Mexico where they would blend Roman Catholicism with this weird voodoo-like witchcraft practices, right? It's really creepy stuff. And so, you know, we, we, we saw that 
in Delano, where they would mix this stuff in, in Catholicism, very freaky, but very pagan, very occultic, and a lot of witchcraft stuff going on. Um, I remember hearing a story about a doctor in Mexico um, that was demonized. Um, this doctor had the ability to heal people, and what they would do is, because full, full demonic, um, these people would go there with like tumors, cancers, and all kinds of stuff like that, like life-threatening things, okay? So this doctor who was possessed would be able to do miraculous surgeries. So like this one doctor, they'd make a little incision, and she would just stick her hand in there, and, and move things around and, and then like supernaturally pull out the tumor with her hand. And the person would be completely healed. Do, do amazing brain surgery with the precision as if the person had went to Harvard Medical School, basically had no medical training, but the demon used her hand. It would go in, take out brain tumors that were inoperable in the United States through the demons. And take out, they would, she would um, heal this. And all these people in Mexico used to go to her, but it was totally demonic. So the person came out healed, but then they were demonized afterwards because they had went around someone like that. So the bargain is, I'll heal you, but then you're going to get demonized. Right? I, I don't know what that is. Is, is, is it reference to like Santeria or something like that? I, I, I have no idea, but it's a, Common thing, if you see, it's for like good health, or you know, if somebody's sick or something like that, you wear a red bracelet or string or something. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure about that one, but I do know I've been in Central America plenty of times in in mission on mission trips, and what I've seen is what's happened to Catholicism in Central America. Um, it's morphed into animism. It's like these like. Amazon basin types of worshiping trees and things and rocks and weird stuff like that fused into the Catholicism. So, like, you walk in some of these Catholic churches in Central America, it's like walking into a demon-infested place. You, you can sense it. It is so wicked. And the priests are all jacked up. They're all possessed and everything. So you get this weird thing going on. And then... um you know, some of that stuff's left over by the Aztecs and Mayans, for goodness sake. You know, that they that the, the, the pay, remember that movie Apocalypto? With Mel, I mean, that was, you wanted to see how the Aztecs and Mayans lived? Just watch that movie. It was demonic what they were doing. But a lot of that gets carried over into Catholicism and they start practicing those same practices. Bill and then I'll come over here. Oh, wait, I gotta go over here. Richard. Hello? Hello. Yeah, um, as far as getting a, ho a foothold there at, at at my house, I play Christian music in the front in the front of the house and all the way to the back. There, I got two radios going, twenty four seven Christian music. And I don't even care if the neighbors don't like it, but they, I ain't letting nothing coming in. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Then, good. Good. They they hate Christian music, by the way. They can't stand it. One other thing that was weird is they were, like you said, performing surgery, no knives. They were manipulating the skin. Yeah. Then their hands would be blood, and there'd be something in their hand. I thought it was just some weird trick. But it was, they were literally, and, and you see, I'm like, I was 17, so I'm like, yeah. this can't be real. But then this is, 
There's nothing. They got the guy's shirt. He's got a stomach tumor. They're manipulating the skin. All of a sudden, this guy's got this black wad in his hand. Yep. And there's blood all over the place. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a cool trick. I didn't know what it was, but that's exactly what you said. That's, yeah, the, the, it's, it's documented. Um, Yeah. It is. Um, and so what we start realizing is it, it, the demons know how to actually fix human conditions. And they will do so if necessary to, again, be an angel of light. Okay? Right here. by the demonics when, you know, when they are hanging, you know, you, you would figure that since you're a believer that you would have that protection. So how is it possible if you're like around somebody else for, as a believer to it, you know, inflict you? I mean, if you're doing everything right, I can understand if you got some, you know, sin that you haven't confessed and things like that. But it kind of, you know, I've had a couple of people like, you know, we that have, you know, kind of following us on Wednesday nights who have asked me kind of like, how is it possible, especially after last week that, you know, because they feel that they're believers, they love God, but then like they had a friend that came in from, you know, was a teacher in another country that brought in some things with her. Kind of like I, you know, like idols like we've talked about before. Yeah. And it's not there anymore, but that's, how does that happen to where like a Christian is, can be attacked like that? Well, you got to understand what you're actually protected from. And you got to understand the nature of the occult. The reason God says you are not to have access to that place and not even be around it. Like, okay, for instance, in, the, in, in Israel's kingdom, the kings were responsible f to remove a, a type of individual. They were not supposed to live there in the land. And who was that? Witches. Or what we call a, a, a proto proto proto-sorcerer, uh, proto-wizard, proto-witch, whatever that might be as far as what they practice. But a proto-witch comes from Babylon, okay? It's, it's using the occultic practices that came from Gen uh, Genesis 6 from the angels, fallen angels, given that information. So a proto-witch is practicing what was given by fallen angels. So what, what were the kings were supposed to do? Purge the witches and sorcerers from the land. If they stayed, you were to kill them. Why? Because their influence can bring in demonic influence on the whole realm, and at least in that area. So, okay, so let's go then to, that's understanding as a nation, that we don't even want these people in our country, in Israel. That, that was what God was saying. They're not allowed. Um, so, first of all, you see the problem of even having somebody like that around you. Okay, that's the first idea. But then you get into the, the, the personal aspect and realize you have a new nature if you're a believer, but you also have a sin nature. And the, the area in which they're going to attack you is through the sin nature, not the new nature. The new nature doesn't sin. The old nature is the what sins in you. And so what they're going to attach to the beachhead, will always be on the sin nature, not on the new nature, because the new nature is controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's how you're regenerated, and the Holy Spirit occupies the new nature. 
The Holy Spirit does not occupy the sin nature. That would be an abomination, yes? He's not, uh, that which is holy is not going to inhabit that which is unholy. So the, 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 you have to understand you have two natures and the Holy Spirit occupies that one. He does not occupy the old nature. Hence, that nature is what is unguarded that allows the person to be influenced, suppressed, or oppressed. So those are the three lines of demonization. And then some Christians will go even further and say, no, a Christian can be possessed. So there's debate on that. I don't, I don't hold to that. But there are people like Merrill Unger, and he's a scholar in all of this. Merrill Unger believes that, yes, believers can be possessed in their sin nature. Um, I don't, I don't take it as far. I, I take it as far as level one, two, and three. Influence, suppression, oppression. Because really, in oppression, there's not much difference between oppression and possession anyway. There's not much. Because you'll still have manifestations in front of you. Okay. So, how the spiritual world works is that they must have permission. Even though you're a child of God, if the child of God opens themselves up, then they have permission to start using the sin nature against the individual. That's what they're going to capitalize on. That's their realm. And so, protracted sin, unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin, that's an easy one to understand. But the other thing is, people can do things that allow permission to them. And that's that's on them to not know that, or to know that. Um, if a Christian's messing with, uh, you know, occult practices, they go to the Kern County Fair, and they think it's funny by going to the psychic. And this would be on the level of ignorance, right? A Christian that's ignorant going to a psychic at the Kern County Fair. Well, guess what? They're going to open themselves up. I'm not saying it's all the time. But then you have Christians thinking it's okay to do yoga. Do you understand what yoga is about, right? It's not stretching. Yoga comes from Hinduism. It is yoking yourself with the Hindu gods. Every position is a worship position to the Hindu God. So when Christians say, we're going to do Christian yoga, there's no such thing. It's like saying flaming snowballs. What are you talking about? That's an oxymoron that you're going to practice a Hindu worship practice and then think it and call it Christian because you're going to say, instead of saying Om, you're going to say Jesus over and over again. Do not think for a moment that anyone's, the, the demons are going to be fooled by that. Oh, wait, sorry. Question about uh, the TV programming, like uh, all the ghost whispering, all these yeah. you know, chasing ghosts, all those things. Uh-huh. How does that tie into this? That, it, it, that, that is another pathway. It's a harder pathway, but it is a pathway. Um, I, would, I would include in that the gaming aspects that are pretty hardcore and demonic. So when ch- kids get in there, they're opening themselves up because they start having an unnatural curiosity about it, about death. That's why you have these emus that are all dressed in black and stuff like that. They have an in, a, a unusual curiosity about death, right? And, and they start getting that curiosity. Well, once you get curious about the occult, whether it's through movies like that or gaming like that, they, it, it pulls them in. And then once they start doing, they start taking a step further, step further. And here, it's like a drug. If you start doing a drug, you need more of it 
and it keeps expanding, right? And that's how they get sucked into it. They have an unnatural curiosity, and they go further and further and further. And before you know it, the kinds of things they're watching, they'll move from movies, they'll move to real live gore on YouTube. And when they're into that, then it's, it's Katie bar the door because they have now opened themselves and given permission to demons to allow them influencing them in their lives. And what happens out of these people? They have, they're, they're on a trip for death. They start having suicide thoughts. They get all wrapped up into it. So yeah, so movies, uh, and, and, and ga dark gaming can get you there too. It's a little harder. But it can get you there. Drugs, probably the fastest way to get there. Or a psychic, basically. So yeah, it plays into it. Good point. Okay, where are we at now? Um, when you talk about the new nature, uh, the new nature and the sin versus the sin nature, are you talking about Galatians and when he's talking about the flesh, Paul? Yeah. Is that sin nature, the flesh? Yes, it is. Okay. That's, I was, good, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Yeah, so the, the other term for the sin nature is the flesh, right? And and so Paul is going to say walk in the light or walk basically in the new nature because your new nature that's given to you is the life of Christ. In the new nature, it does not sin according to 1 John. So when you access the new nature... It wants to obey, it will do right, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you access the, the sin nature, the old nature, the flesh, the old man, as it's called, what will that do? It will then dictate to you sin. And if you have demonic influence happening in the sin nature, it will push you over the edge into worse things. So again, you got to know. So let me, let me show you an example. Uh, a picture of influence in the sin nature would be what happened to Peter. Remember that? He, he, the Lord's saying, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die in Jerusalem. You're not going to die. You're not going to go to the cross. Remember that? What did say, uh, Peter, uh, Jesus say to Peter? Satan, get behind me. He was being influenced by Satan to try to tempt Jesus not to do that. And Jesus recognized what's happening, that Satan was speaking through Peter, through influence. Well, how did Peter, how did that happen to Peter? Peter's an apostle. Because he allowed his sin nature to have acts, uh, uh, not think correctly about what Messiah was doing, and that opened the door for demonic influence. This is why it's extremely important to be mature, because every area of ignorance is opening you up to at least demonic influence. So if you don't know how to view critical race theory, or you don't know how to view immigration, you don't know how to view vaccines, then I already tell you what you're going to be influenced for. You're going to be influenced for the counterfeit system. But if you know the Bible... And you know, the Bible says it's going to one world government. God wants individual nations. If you know uh, that you can discern through the lies that they're giving about the vaccine, then you can start understanding the truth, and you can't be influenced because you know. And therefore, the key to not be influenced is to know your Bible. Simple, but yet it's profound. It keeps you from being influenced. The reason Peter was influenced 
and how Satan got a foothold in his life is because Peter was ignorant about the suffering servant. He was only taught in the rabbinic schools that when Messiah comes, he's going to be this glorious leader, and he's going to kick the Romans out, and then he's going to set up the Messianic kingdom. What was being taught in the synagogues at the time is they didn't talk, talk about the suffering servant. So it's a gap in his theological game. And that gap was used by Satan. That's how it starts. And then it, it doves tells into a more influence, sin. So like in the, in the area of, of suppression, they're using the sin of the person to suppress them in the sin. Keeps them down. And what you'll see is the person will lack the power to get out of that sin. And that's why you have to bring other people in with them to help them get out of the sin because they need strength from the outside because they're being suppressed in the sin. Because they won't, they didn't repent. They stayed in it too long. And then in oppression, it's not, it just not, it's not only suppression in the sin, but it's actually a combination of, of in sin, I'm ignorant and I, I intentionally want to go into some type of occultic practice for the power or whatever it provides for me. There is power in the occult. So when that person goes into there, that's when they start having manifestations. That's why they start hearing voices. They start hearing uh, people talking to them and, and cussing them out. All kinds of crazy stuff starts happening because they've, they've, they've allowed themselves to go that far. Okay question i have a question pastor i've heard uh former satanist john ramirez speak yes, about I'm... halloween uh-huh and do you think that we are opening up our kids to demonic spirits when we put them in costumes and send them out trick-or-treating or and our, our churches opening up because of their harvest festivals and then can you tell me your thoughts on jesus calling yeah, I, I, I understand the pagan roots of Halloween, and I understand where John Ramirez is coming from, and I, I get it. He's hypersensitive to it, and there's no doubt about it, because he came out of that world. Um, I would say this, I said, because it's a gray area. It's a matter, a matter of um, the conscience of the individual that if it is a stumbling block for them, they shouldn't do it. They just shouldn't do it. Um, other people don't necessarily have a problem with it, and so they do it, but, you know, they, they keep it clean. They don't wear crazy things. So you have to know where this is at in that level. And, um, you know, sending kids for candy is not like they're going to go practice witchcraft. I get it. I know the origins of it. But one of the things you have to do in logic is you can't fault a practice for origins. Okay, and that's important because if you you fault a practice based on origins, you're making a fallacy, and I think that's the the problem in that kind of argumentation. I'm not for Halloween. I I think it's stupid. I don't. I, 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 it's a stupid holiday, and so I you know that's my conviction. But I'm not. I can't. I can't put that on you guys because it's a gray area, and and if you're practicing it and you don't have a problem, then go ahead. But I can't make the argument to you. If, if I say, 
I don't practice it, or if I, if I said that, because of its Celtic origins, well, I'm making a logical fallacy based on origin rather than the current practice. Because the current practice in the United States is different than what obviously the Celts were doing in that area. They were doing pagan things, right? And so today, I have to judge what's happening today based on the scriptures that apply to today. And so, and so when I talk about a fallacy is this. If I were to, to judge what they did in the Celtic, I would, I would use certain scriptures, say, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and I could enumerate the scripture. But I can't take that and put it on 2021. Does that make sense? You can't. So that's the fallacy a lot of people make about Halloween is they want to use the standard for occultism on the ancient practice and then try to put it on the modern-day practice. Because, but that's not happening. It's just not happening. So then I have to judge it in a different way. I have to judge it according to different standards right now. And so the standards I would use is, does it cause people to stumble? Uh, am I convicted about this? Um, okay, if I am, then I don't do it, whatever. I don't like glorifying um, what the, 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 the Halloween symbolizes or whatever. Okay, fine. Um, but it, because it's a Romans 14 and a Colossians chapter 2 thing, I can't blanket that. I can't blanket that. Do I know witches do things during the month of October? Of course, this is a high holiday for witchcraft during the month of October. The whole thing is that. Um, but sending a nine-year-old, you know, in a, in a, you know, whatever, uh, dinosaur outfit to get candy is not on the same level as the Celtics, like trying to ward off evil spirits. That's a totally different ball game. We are not trying to do that. And so you can't use standards that you would apply in the past to a standard you would apply in the future because that's not what they're doing right now. My thing is, it's your conviction. I understand that churches do things that trunk and treat stuff like that. I probably would never do it for our church. I'm just convicted not to do that. But I will evangelize the holiday. And that's why we do the Halloween bags, because I'm going to take advantage of them being out, and I'm going to get the gospel out. So my thing is uh, not, to, not to reinterpret the holiday, but just use the holiday to get the gospel out. And that's why, that's why we do the Halloween bags on evangelism. But I, I probably would never do a trunk or treat or anything like that because it makes people stumble. Um, and I don't want to cause people to stumble. Yeah. <laughs> not well not necessarily i mean you know you 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 would never know if someone's doing that obviously just like they used to tell us they're putting razor blades and uh when we were kids and obviously that never happened by the way um um but that would be a, in, impossible to decipher but if that was a, a worry then you'd be you'd be convicted not to do it then i guess and you're, you're it's fair game not to do it other people would say no nah, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that so, but taking something from somebody 
yeah, I can see that happening in some situations, obviously. But like, okay, for instance, you know, you go into a neighborhood you don't know and, and there's all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah, you be cautious about that. If you're going to your neighbors and you know your neighbors and they're not witch, practicing witches, okay, then you're probably good. Um, but that, that would be come down to, do I know my neighborhood? Am I going to just stay around the people I know? Or am I going to go on the bad a bad area where I know there's warlocks and all kinds of crazy people and those involved in the occult. Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. Because um, it, it could. It could. That's just why I think a lot of churches do their own little harvest festival thing. So they know where the candy's coming from. Yeah, that's, that's why they, they do that. Dress up like Captain America. Hallelujah. Yeah. Right, not 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 a ghoul. Where are we at? Got the mic. Go for it. Um, well, first off, that lady still had a question about uh, Jesus calling. I don't think you caught that one. She. she oh, had, I didn't uh, catch that. No, what? She, she wanted to hear oh, your thoughts on Jesus calling. Throw that thing in the trash. Um, Jesus calling um, from Sarah Young is like a, a very occultic. Sarah Young actually uses the practices of a witch to do, to do auto-dictation. Auto-dictation comes from witchcraft. And so what Sarah Young did that fooled everybody that, oh, she's getting messages from God. And she, she's trying to say, it's not revelation. I'm not putting anything. No, no, no. You're saying you're getting information from God, and the stuff you're writing, you're being auto-dictated. That's an occult practice, that she sits there and meditates, and then the hand starts moving, and she writes whatever the entity is giving her. That's occult. That's necromancy. Okay, so she was doing that, and then she goes on to tell you how she was channeling a demon she didn't say it was a demon she said it was jesus but she went out into the forest always a dangerous place to go apparently because every every false religion starts in a forest for some reason i don't know why mormonism and then sarah young so anyway she's in a forest and this mist appears to her and this mist says i'm the presence she thinks the presence is jesus and then I want to give you, you know, information and yada, yada, yada. And so she, she's cozying up to this thing called the presence. Let me ask you this. If something appeared to you in a forest or wherever, your, your, your backyard, and said, Hi, I'm the presence. Want to play? I hope anyone in here would say, that's not Jesus, and you wouldn't interpret that as Jesus because Jesus is never called the presence, right? Not one time, you, you know, he's called the presence. So many will come in my name saying I am he, right? And that's what she did. She embraced this thing called the presence. It's a real entity. It was probably a fallen angel or demon, and then starts auto-dictating to her. And, 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 of course, demons know the Bible, and fallen angels know the Bible, so they can dress it up and make it look good. But at the end of the day, she was channeling. And the, the Christian community was so ignorant, and she even told people where she got the information from, 
The Christian community refused to deal with this and started allowing that being taught in their churches. And it's like, dude, you might as well bring a demon in the front row. Because that's what that was. And that became the rage now. And then she was teaching other women how to necromance. They didn't even know it. They didn't know they were pra- that's a practicing witch thing. So, yeah, I, I hope that helped. But What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that, that's, that's what she was impersonating, a prophet, because she's getting revelation from God. Did I, 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 I got to go back over here. Where am I at? Yes, uh, go for it. So I wanted to ask as well, you already kind of covered it a little bit, but as far as the 2021 Halloween goes, it kind of seems like it's a celebration of fear, um, which, I mean, we're not given a spirit of fear. How do you feel about kids going out and, and um, getting involved in that as part of the culture so much? I mean, it, more, than, more so than I feel like the last few Halloweens for sure that they're celebrating fear. It's kind of odd to me. Celebrating fear of... Haunted houses, uh, yeah, Fright Fest. Yeah, and, I mean, and that, like, that's, that culture is just blowing up even further than it has been, it seems like. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the decorations and all that stuff. Yeah, there's there's been an unusual curiosity about this. And I'm noticing that, you know, because, dude, they're, they're, people are putting graveyards in their front house, and, and they're really going all crazy. And it's taken on, if you go into one of those Halloween stores, it's like straight from the occult, dude. And, and yeah, there is that problem. And I'm noticing an unusual curiosity about that. Do you think that it'll be, you're, you're becoming more um, against Halloween as, as a whole because of that? Or is it still? I just, am. Well, okay, okay. Personally, but I can't put that on you. You may not feel that way. I think the Halloween thing is getting worse because of the decorations. Because it's ramped up. I mean, we didn't have that kind of decorations when I was a kid. It was just pumpkins and scarecrows and stuff like that. Now I go in there and there's like... Uh, yeah, it's skulls and bones, and, and then there's like these demon creatures, and there's like these demon babies, and it's it's so weird now. So weird. Yeah, and by the way, Halloween sales are getting up there close to Christmas as far as decorations are concerned. And people are, and I think, Noah, to that point, that's the natural thing a secular person would be gravitating to is that kind of junk. The Day of the Dead stuff is like blown out of proportion. Where did that come from? You know, that comes from straight from the occult in Mexico. And now it's taken over. I mean, you go to Disneyland, they're, they're promoting uh, the Day of the Dead. That's ancestor worship. That's complete ancestor worship. We don't celebrate the Day of the Dead, but that's taken over. So I think personally it's getting worse. So, I wish the whole thing didn't happen. But I can't tell you, that's my personal thing. I can't tell you what to do on that because it's a Romans 14 issue. Where am I at? So, uh, you kind of hinted on it, but the Day of the Dead, I was going to ask you if you could elaborate a little more on the, that little piece. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about the, the practice of the Day of the Dead, it doesn't originate in Mexico. It actually originates ancient times. And ancient times, what they would do is they have a, a day set apart for either making sacrifices to the dead or honoring the dead. People could say, well, they can sanitize it and say, well, we're just honoring the dead. What do you mean by that? Because in the ancient cultures, what they would do is make offerings to the dead. And they would give them, uh, you know, if you go to Taoism or you go into China or whatever, they will actually put money there. They will put food there to take care of their loved ones in the next life. 
And what it, what it originated out of is ancestor worship, which is practiced along a lot of the pagan lines even today. So then what happened, like I said, in Mexico, what happened is that that's a leftover from Mayans and Aztecs, and that creeped into the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church is infamous, absolutely infamous, for allowing paganism to come into the church, especially in the South American regions. Now, funny thing is the Catholic Church in China and other parts of the, the Eastern, they will allow parts of Hinduism and Buddhism to creep into the Catholic Church. They're very ecumenical. So the Catholic Church typically takes on the impression of the culture. And so what you have in South and Central America is the indigenous tribes that were scattered from the Tower of Babel and moved into the North American area, into South America, which we call them Native Americans, right? And the Native Americans, what were they practicing? Babylonianism, ancestor worship. You know that in like Greek mythology, as an example, like uh, I think Diana, uh, the Temple of Diana, if you look closely at the statues of the Temple of Diana, you know, the funny thing is, as you, or, or even Artemis, I think, it's one of the two, Diana, or maybe that's the same person. I, but anyway, uh, when you look, is it is it the same person, Artemis and Diana? Yeah, it's the same person. Yeah, I, I knew I was right. Okay, so they have all kinds of different names. But Diana is nothing more than Semiramis from Babylon, okay? She's nothing more than Isis in Egypt. It's the same female character. But in, it's funny to note if you look at the Greek statues of Diana, the worship of Diana is actually the worship of Eve. See, what happened in the ancient culture, even with Adam and Eve and the patriarchs, they actually started ancestor worship with Adam and Eve and the patriarchs. That's what it devolved into. And so, like, in one of the, the temple pictures of Diana or Artemis will be Pandora's box in front of Eve. And there will be a serpentine. She will be dressed in serpentine clothes. Why is that? Why is Pandora's box associated to Diana or Artemis? What's Pandora's box about? The real story. Once Pandora's box was open, what happened? It all came out. But then, okay, so relate that as a corruption of the truth coming from Genesis. The woman has Pandora's box at her feet. She's the one who opens Pandora's box. She's dressed in serpentine clothes. What is that a reference to? What is that a corruption of the truth of? Who introduced Yes, so you see, you see the, the, the scales, right, that she's clothed in. But Eve was the one who opened Pandora's box, so to speak. She's the one who allowed herself to be tempted and sinned, right, and then caused her husband to sin. So the Greek mythology of Pandora's box is a corruption of Genesis chapter 3, where the woman introduced sin into our planet and then caused her husband to introduce sin. But it was it was Diana, it was Artemis, it was Eve who opened Pandora's box. 
And once you opened her box, the box, it can't be put back in. Sin was allowed to come. So even in Greek mythology, even in all these other mythologies, Aztecs, Mayans, Egyptian, they will always have a corruption of the story, but there'll be an element of truth that it points back to. Always. It's a corruption. But it does point back to something else. So when you see Diana, it's a worship of Eve. They worshiped Eve. They worshiped Adam. That's what started happening. It started getting corrupted in ancestor worship. So Day of the Dead is something really, really old going all the way back to Babylon, and it's practiced now in Mexico, and now it's made its forefront into American culture as something that's okay. I'm sorry. Day of the Dead is a worship of ancestors. You're not to do that. That's, a, that's wrong. We're not to have graveyard picnics, okay? We just don't do that stuff, right? But you'll see people out there in the graveyard doing that stuff. It's worship of ancestors. It's bad, really bad. Because eventually you're not worshiping an ancestor. Eventually a demon will impersonate them. Okay, where am I at? Back to your dark and light. Um, yeah, long, this is wrong kind of, trail. Well, no, long but trail. it's still, I kind of all dealt with it. When we were growing up, all the stuff that happened, they were talking, at night this happened, they broke into this house that night, that house was robbed that night. Even as kids, we did the sneaky stuff at night because we didn't think we could be seen. Yeah. With everybody, not everybody, with people kicking God out of schools, government, or lives, we're the weird people now. Mm-hmm. Is that why all this stuff is, is the, for lack of a better word, the veil being pulled back and darkness is starting to show itself in broad daylight. Yes. I mean, you're seeing video. I saw some things that I can't, I won't even repeat what this woman got beat up because she asked the guy to stop doing something. And there's, it's just stuff you wouldn't even ever think we'd see as kids. Right. Even the worst kids we do did would never do some of this. And it's in broad daylight now. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, yeah, you're, when you see things happen in the daylight, evil, like you're seeing, it means that evil is not afraid to show itself because no one's holding it back anymore. And so that's why they're bold to say what they say. That's why they're, they're doing things in broad daylight. That's why they talk about the New World Order and, and whatever. And it's like, you're not even hiding what you're doing anymore. See, typically evil wants to cloak itself. You're right. And typically evil things are done in the night because night cloaks it. But if you start doing things in broad daylight... We typically in, we relate that to insanity, right? But they're, doing, they're not worried about it because the demons, the fallen angels know that this is being allowed and they're having a ball with it and they're running and they're just going to do it right in front of people. It's on full display now. And, the, and, and, they're, you know, and basically their Holy Spirit right now is restraining the Antichrist from coming on the scene. But once we're gone, he lets them loose and everything just goes haywire. Everything's in broad daylight. So you're 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 on to something. Yeah, go ahead. Early Christians worshipped in the catacombs. You want mm-hmm. to discuss, discuss that? Both bad and good. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's there's they stayed in the catacombs because they, they they were fleeing persecution, but then there's an element that they gravitated to worshiping ancestors because a lot of the Christians were coming out of paganism, right? If you came out of the Roman culture Worshiping ancestors was part of the prob, uh, part of the program, right? Not just worshiping foreign uh, these other Roman gods, but worshiping ancestors was part of the Roman religion 
part of the Greek religion and everything else. And so what you start seeing a lot of times in, in the history of Christianity is people had a hard time breaking away from their old life. And they would practice ancestor worship and stuff sometimes. And some didn't, but, you know, uh, we started watching that early on in, in, in about, you know, the 300s. Man, there was a lot of paganism getting into the church and the practice of paganism coming in. Prayers for the dead started coming in and, and uh, the clergy wearing different clothes and prayer beads and all that stuff was coming out of Babylon. And so what you're describing is, is what happened in the compromise of Christianity is that it started getting infused with paganism. So if you really want to look at what Babylon looked like, all you, you'd go no further than the Catholic Church. She is the epitome of what the Babylonian religion looked like. The prayer beads, the rosary, come straight from Babylon. The clothing, Babylon, Babylonian priests. The altar, why do they have an altar? Because they're doing sacrifice. Did you know that? That's why they have an altar. We don't have an altar. They have an altar. They're re-sacrificing Christ over and over and over and over again. And, and so when you start looking at that, and you know, you start realizing, oh my goodness, um, like for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example that like will mess you up. Okay? Did you know where wearing your Sunday best came from? I'm going to mess you up. Okay. So here's what happened. Emperor Constantine blended Christianity uh, with paganism because he, he, he didn't want to push the issue too much. So Emperor Constantine, you know, um, was allowing a lot of lacks going on in the church. Because if you're a member of Rome, you're also a member of the church. And if you're a member of the church, you're a citizen of Rome. It went by, back and forth. And basically, your citizenship was based on your baptism in the Catholic Church. I, I don't, I, 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 I don't want to really call it the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church as we know it didn't start in existing until about 900 AD. But the embryonic forms of it were starting to happen. Okay, so then Emperor Constantine brought in a lot of, of paganism into the church. The first thing was to make churches into cathedrals, which, which looked like pagan temples. That's why when you go to Europe and these basilicas, they look like they look like Greek temples, basically. That's what they were patterned off of. The second thing they were patterned off of is that in in pagan festivals, you wore your best clothes. So when Constantine married the church to paganism in that regard, then they made an edict: Did you wear your best clothes coming to church, coming to the temple? And then they, they went from congregational singing to choir singing. Because in pagan temples, you had a choir. And so Constantine brought in the choir into the church for the first time and made the parishioners say nothing. So there wasn't congregational singing. It was all done by the choir. So wearing your Sunday best having a choir, having a cathedral, its origins are pagan. Now, I want you to think about this. The early church did not have cathedrals, did they? It wasn't about wearing your Sunday best. 
is you came in the clothes that you just normally wear, right? Come as you are, right? That's how the early church functioned. You didn't put on a suit and tie to come to church. But he does. Richard does. But he, Richard's the exception, right? He's the smooth dresser of the church. He gets the, the best dressed award. But, right? But the point is, you can come to church however you want to dress. You want to dress up or you want to dress down. It doesn't matter. Because if you're going to make an argument that you need to wear your Sunday best, then my argument to you will be that comes from paganism. I know. How stupid, right? Okay, so the gargoyles, believe it or not, are part of the occult. Okay? And so the gargoyles were put on the cathedrals, the pagan cathedrals, to ward off evil spirits, as if that would do. But again, where does the idea of coming, of warding off evil spirits come from? That's what the origination of a jack-and-lantern was from the, from the Celtics, wasn't it? The jack-and-lantern would be lit to scare off evil spirits from coming into the house. But, okay, so then I'm going to put gargoyles on the Roman cathedrals and the Greek cathedrals to ward off evil spirits. Where does that mindset come from? Pagan! Why would I think for a moment as a Christian that I would need to ward off evil spirits if I'm a believer in Christ and the church is gathering? Every church has an angel attached to it that protects it. Why would I need a statue of gargoyles? Because that's a pagan thought. So that when you see gargoyles on the ancient cathedrals, it's pagan. It's completely pagan. We are. It's, it's the people. But see, but Constantine, this is interesting. Check this out. And I know it's going to step on toes. But Constantine changed it from the church being people to the church being the house of God. Now, what did that do right there? It took it away from the, being the congregation to be, be, it being a building and then creating what's called sacred space. Sacred space? Where does the concept of sacred space come from? Paganism. Because we're gathered here, the church is the people, not the building, you know that, and the sacred space is us. We are the temple, not a building, we are the temple. The sacred space is our body. Oh, but have you ever heard the term, well, you come into the house of God, you better be respectful. You better wear your Sunday best. People don't even know where that comes from. It's ignorance, is right. It's ignorance of history. And, and, and unfortunately, I know that messes you guys up, but... I want, I want you, I want you to know. Now, by the way, where did they put the choir in the Catholic Church? In the back. Do you know why? Why were they not up front? Why were they put in the back? Huh? The priests are in the front. So in a pagan setup, you put the priests in the front, you put the, the choir in the back. Because the emphasis was on what the priest was doing up in the front. 
And when and then you look at the Catholic Church, what a priest is doing, what is he doing? He's actually using a magic to actually change the, the, the bread and the wine into the actual body and blood of the Lord, which is false. That's an idol, by the way. Um, and and in, in, his, in his Latin words that he speaks, you will hear the word abracadabra. A, div- a, 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 a deviation of that. If you listen to a mass in Latin, you'll, you'll hear those catchphrases in Latin. That's where they got the idea of abracadabra. Where do you think abracadabra came from? Magicians didn't make it up. They heard the priests who were doing the magic on the altar, and they started using it in their acts, abracadabra. That's where it came from. Oh, wait. I got, yeah, we got to go. We're going way long. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Bible Study Podcast. We hope that this lesson is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has another podcast called Anchor Sunday Sermons, and it's filled with past and present messages in Revelation, Genesis, and Exodus. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Sunday Sermons. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, for our redemption draws nearer.